You're listening to Catalyst Talks, conversations with change agents, outliers, superheroes, and truly conscious leaders modeling what it is to be an unstoppable force for good and truth in this world. What lit these catalysts on fire to do their work and what nuggets of wisdom can they share with a world literally on fire? I'm your host, Stephanie Traeger. I'm a transformational catalyst and life coach to maverick change agents in business leadership and life. On this podcast, I wear an eclectic mix of hats, including earthkeeper, wayfinder, truth teller, coach, lawyer, business and impact strategist. My intention is holding space for higher purpose, peak wellness, soul mastery, and deeper impact so we can live in harmony with ourselves, each other, and nature. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. If you love it, please share and spread the word. We're on YouTube and all the podcast platforms. See the show notes on CatalystTalks.com for links and enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to Catalyst Talks. My guest today is Anita Sanchez, a powerful visionary woman of Mexican-American and indigenous heritage. She's a transformational leadership consultant, speaker, coach, and author of The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. Anita bridges indigenous wisdom with and teachings with the latest science to inspire and equip women and men to enjoy meaningful, empowered lives and careers with four decades of experience in training and coaching executives and their teams in dozens of Fortune 500 companies, governmental groups, and non-governmental agencies. Anita also serves on the boards of Bioneers Organization and Pachamama Alliance. She holds a PhD in organizational development from the University of Colorado in Denver. And this conversation is very powerful. So just find yourself a comfortable seat and allow yourself to receive. There will be a transmission for you. (laughs) Before we get started, I have a word from our sponsor, and then we'll drop into this on interrupted episode. So today we are brought to you by the journey of increase a mind and life mastery program to increase your powers of conscious influence, mental focus and manifestation for more of what you want to create on purpose. The journey of increase is a self-paced program that comes with a journal. It's actually mailed to you and has been known to transform lives. So in this conversation today with Anita, we drop into a lot of the principles in the journey of increase. And we talk about perception. We talk talk about transforming to a life economy. And we talk about how we can believe and shift how we speak and how we treat each other and how we come from our hearts. And that is what the journey of increase is all about. It's a daily practice for shifting how we perceive, believe, and speak our new world and reality into being. So we do this for ourselves personally. We want to enjoy our lives and be happy and free. And we want to speak that same reality into being for all. So you can learn more about the journey of increase at journeyofincrease.com. And now enjoy this episode. Anita, welcome. It is an honor to have you here today. It's been an honor to be in some circles with you, albeit virtually. Our most recent connection with the Earthwise Center and the Constitution for Planetary Civilization with Anna Luce, who was also a guest on the podcast. You know, it's been really a beautiful honor to witness your work as a transformational leader with individuals, organizations, and companies for many decades. I think you are probably one of the pioneers in holding space for this more mainstream time we're in now where indigenous wisdom is being received. It's people are starving, they're hungry. And so I just honor you for being one of the pioneers in in injecting, (laughs) for lack of a more subtle word, that wisdom into the space. And so with that, I usually start with a really deep question, a really deep inquiry, but I'd love to just warm us up with an, you know, just a question of what is top of mind for you right now? What's top of mind, heart, and soul for you right now? whether it's personally or the current events in the world? I think what is definitely there is hope in action. Mm -hmm. That what is possible, that it can be joyful in the midst of the many challenges that we're having. Mm -hmm. And when I think of hope, I think of a colleague who talks about hearts open possibility and engagement. Mm. From my indigenous prophecies and perspective, I always talk about hope in action, and that's indeed what it is. And in a time when people are feeling, some people are feeling quite hopeless, overwhelmed, regardless of whatever sector you're talking about, whatever arena, that it's really important that we look not just outside for the answer, but we do the work inside and mm-hmm. see that we have everything that we need, including all the relations externally that are here to support us too. Yeah. So it's really yeah. big on my mind because people are feeling 
what I'm hearing from folks is overwhelmed and hopeless and and um, having challenges in dealing with the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is that's exactly where I'm sitting right now. And I also, you know, it could be a really weird world of doom and gloom because there's there's so much right complexity and all of it all of that what is unfolding i'm excited you know i feel like i'm right we have an option it's like we're at a choice point we can choose that and that's one timeline that's one way we'll we'll actually go and then we could also choose that wow wow it's beautiful it's amazing so with your work in you know you have been on the periphery like it looks like you do a lot of work with mainstream organizations companies yeah yeah. A lot of corporations, businesses, but also with nonprofits, global leaders all over the world. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It, we get to make a choice. That's an exciting thing. And people sometimes think of that choice as being a really heavy thing, but you have lots of supports in making that choice. I mean, mm-hmm. you can be still, you can, you can, there are all sorts of processes that you can use to help to get the wisdom that lies within you that comes from your ancestors that are here from all your experiences. Um, and then nature around us. So I, I'm like you. I'm very excited about this time. Uh, and sometimes people hear that and think, oh, well, you're just doing a spiritual bypass. There is no spiritual yeah. bypass here. Yeah. I do acknowledge that we are spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical beings. So why wouldn't you look at that holistically, just like you would in an organization or in a family, the whole in order to be able to be present and move forward to what you want to create rather than cycling downward and what you don't want, that doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense. And we have, again, everything we need here. Yeah. And we see that holographically, right, with our, our own lives and how it's impacting the collective. So with that, I would love to open space for your wisdom uh, in your book, The Four Sacred Gifts, a collection of indigenous wisdom from elders sharing the power of these gifts. And I'm going to open the space for you to share what those four gifts are, because that to, that's the portal right there for that inner work, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And let me just frame it a little bit, and then I'll just offer yeah. people the, those four gifts, and then we can dive into them as you wish. The this is part of an uh, prophecy and prophecies indigenous people have don't they're not foretelling the future, but they remind us about what is possible. If we don't pay attention to the original structure, which is basically care and love of self and others, it's pretty simple. (laughs) And so this prophecy, the prophecy was one that came about in the 90s where elders from all over the world, and I love that, it's from all different traditions, indigenous people from all parts of the world. And they were answering a call that there was coming, we're entering a time, a winter time like no other. And that what has happened is harmony and balance has, has gone out of whack. And that's because many human beings, two-leggeds, had forgotten what it means to be in right relationship with their selves and others. And so what they offered in ceremony with these elders from all over, four gifts. And what the promise from spirit was, is if you use these four gifts, you will remember how to create harmony and balance. You will know how to be a life-giving member in this hoop of life. So if you will, I would love to offer these to all of your viewers at this moment. I want to do it in a way that really honors each of you who are watching because you are sacred beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so if you wish, you can lower or close your eyes or you can put your hand on your heart. And this is not woo-woo stuff we know from science too, that we have a lot of power in our bodies and and setting intention. And so I'm, I'm offering you to receive these gifts. So with that, take a couple of deep breaths. And then I offer you the first gift to help us bring harmony and balance, to help us remember how to be a life-giving force. And the first gift that was given to all human beings is the gift of the power to forgive the unforgivable. The gift of the power to forgive the unforgivable. And as I say that, take that gift and put that in the ceremonial part of your heart, and you know where that is. And as you're doing that, it's bringing up for you things that you have forgiven. And also, perhaps what's pulling at your heart right now is, oh, can I forgive that? But just allow, allow how that gift is yours. 
Take a deep breath, a couple of them, and nice exhales. And the second gift to all of us is the gift of the power of healing. Receive that gift and put that in the ceremonial part of your heart. The gift of the power of healing. <laughs> and we all know healing is a powerful gift because we get to use it every day. And as my children were growing up, they used to laugh because they'd say, you must be the only mom that ever says that because I would be making them breakfast and I'd say, ah, oh, it's another good day to heal. So just mm -hmm. as you have that in your heart, your gratitude for all that has been healed, but perhaps being present to what needs healing, what needs attention. And take a breath. And a nice exhale. And the third gift the elders put in there for all humankind is the gift of the power of unity. Receive that gift and put it in the ceremonial part of your heart. The gift of the power of unity. Oh, take a couple of deep breaths as that's there in, there in your heart as to allow it to expand. Because we're in a time where you know what it means to be in unity. Unity between your mind and heart, spirit. Unity with your family, with your larger community, your workplace, with the earth, with the world. And we need that gift of unity. Take a deep breath and a nice exhale. And the fourth gift offered to us to be in right relation with ourselves and others is the gift of the power of hope, hope in action. Yes. And hope is an energy source. It's not some, you know, woo-woo out there stuff. It is what allows us to know and see that which is not seen. <laughs> to create, to invent, to co-create with others. So put that in the ceremonial part of your heart. And as you do so, you are remembering all those things that you hope for and have come true. And perhaps you're thinking about, wait a minute, I haven't been hopeful. Can I restore that source of energy to allow me to be fully present a life-giving force in this one hoop of life. And take a deep breath. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes, if you had lowered or closed them, and be with us. And know that these four gifts you have, and the key is to use them. The gift of the power to forgive the unforgivable. The gift of the power of healing. The gift of the power of unity. And the gift of the power of hope in action. These are part of our sacred gifts, our gifts that we can use every day on this earthly plane to make a difference for now and for future generations. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So beautiful. What a way to receive that information, that wisdom, and the opportunity for everyone who's just experienced and received that wisdom and transmission, because it's very easy for us to read and read and read and take in more information about the wisdom, uh, but to really have that felt experience and to feel it in your hearts is so, so different. So thank you. Totally and agree with you. It's just, we're overwhelmed with information. We're drowning it. What our hearts yearn for is wisdom. And that mm -hmm. wisdom is within and outside as well. And so thank you for for receiving it in that way. And thank all of you who are watching, who allow the possibility of all of that to work for you on behalf of you and coming from you. Mm, yeah, beautiful, thank you. It's interesting that when you share the sort of origin story of where you received or remembered the, <laughs> those gifts, mm -hmm. In the 90s, I, I was young. I was like in my very early 20s and I was an environmental activist. I when I was found the ancient redwoods in California and mm -hmm. through that portal of li living in the forest, forest activism, I was introduced to different local tribes and we, were, we pray for the forest and really came back to my roots as an earth person that way through that path and spent many years in 
activism. And in activism, there's back then anyway, for me, it was this journey of, of fighting, of resistance, right? And um, of despair. And we, we're seeing a lot of this now, even more in the collective. Mm-hmm. And that journey I had, I went on and to reconcile that to find that hope, to go through that journey of healing, to find, really understand and understand what unity even means, right? And to also witness forgiving and the un- unforgivable. And I really want to go into each of these with you, right? Because there's so there's so much in here. And it is so easy to look at these words and look outside of ourselves and try to apply them. And I've been on this inner journey and we've been on these inner journeys to, we have to do this inner work in ourselves. So what does that, what does it look like in reconciling I kind of want to bring in also your work with diversity, equity, inclusion. I mean, it <laughs> sounds like a weird, weird bridge to bring this in, but I want to. Oh, bring it's all in. connected. It's all connected. In fact, I love what you're just and setting this up because there's a lot of conversation about human doing. And when mm-hmm. indigenous people get together, we talk about being human beings. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it isn't a time for doing. And we need to be in action. I'm very much about that. However, the actions we take are a reflection of how we be. And so what you're talking about have a lifetime of, and me as well, of doing constantly doing the inner work because mm-hmm. what we have inside of us is what then we create outside. And so whether you're in business, whether it's in your family or in your own individual life, it's, it's important to hold both. And we have the ability to do that as human beings. And it's essential at this time. So how do you see that? How do you see it play out when you're looking at, like, I see a lot of narratives that are very disempowering, right? There's the, especially in around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that for me, I would love to hear you talk about, yeah, where where do you see that disempowerment and and what do you see as a bridge? Yes. Well, I think part of it, you can draw on all, all of them, but one of the things that immediately comes up is around unity is that, Again, we have to look at what is our worldview. And if our worldview is one of separation, of it's just about me, there's not the we, then all of the suffering that we can cause, because rationally uh, and spiritually, people wouldn't shoot themselves in the foot, let alone with a machine gun. But that's what we're doing. And so when you come from a, a worldview that we're all connected, we're, we're diverse, but we're all connected, then the color of your skin, what we're seeing, the horrors that are occurring, that doesn't make sense. And that we would treat everyone with dignity and respect and an opportunity to use their gifts because it's a waste to not do that. So I I see that as very important in a very personal way. I know this um, and I'll link it back to, so you can't do unity, you can't diversity inclusion unless you really do that work about how you see yourself and other beings, are they part of your community? Are they separate? So oftentimes, like it's just us talking right now, I'm always aware because I'm in the foothills of the Rockies and I see these beautiful trees outside. I do nothing alone. And that's one of the paradigm shifts that have to happen is that people think, oh, I'm doing this myself. You know, I got my PhD and all my credit cards or I'm a exec or whatever it is. And yes, you did work hard. I've worked hard. A lot of people work really hard. However, even breathing, thank you, plant relatives. You're taking the carbon so I have oxygen. There is a reciprocity, there is a flow. And when we don't pay attention to that, we're in trouble. So I Mm. wanna personalize it, like you said. So one of the key ones, because sometimes people think, maybe they do this for you, (laughs) is your experience, but it's definitely mine. People go, well, you've definitely never had a hard time. So that's why you're able to talk about forgiving them, forgivable. Well, no, everybody has challenges. You know, we may show up looking like our hair is done, and but you know, there are times even now, like I'm just pulling my hair out so people can see, it's like that. And we have to be truthful. It's not like you arrive, we're on a journey. Mm. However, when I was young, you know, I had nine years of childhood. I had great, great childhood in terms of my elders and, and, and also dreams and stuff, but I also had a secret. And the secret was the abuse that was happening to me for mm. nine years. And that was enough for anyone for nine years to deal with the abuse and to heal from that. However, in addition to that, when I was 13, my father, who was a dark-skinned indigenous Mexican person, he was mistaken for a black man, for a dark-skinned man, and it was in the 60s, middle 60s, and the white man returned 
and he saw my father sitting in the same place where the black man he had the fight with, and he fired three bullets and killed him on the spot. Now I say mm -hmm. that not just like, look at this, but just understand we all have challenges. And I, at a 13 year old, did something that the adult was able to see in my late 20s and early 30s. And that is, I, so it makes no, and it probably is no surprise why I do diversity, equity, inclusion, where people say, oh, it dates back from the loss of your father, and that you have this hoop of life experience that we're all connected. Yes, that is all true. However, I choose this work because mm -hmm. I realize that's part of me of being a whole human being. Mm -hmm. Because in working, then going into corporations, I do really great work. But what I began as I was listening to the circles of white people talk about their dreams, talk about their how they were raised, and not all, but many of them said that they were trained, taught that they were better than people who looked like me or black people or Asian people, and that they love their parents as they should, but they believe something different that they believed that more of the indigenous that were all connected and that their lives would be less if they didn't have people who were of diverse backgrounds a part of their life and they were doing po policy and process changes and things they were creating in order to have us all be together work effective whether inside of the workplace or else now mm -hmm. that sounds like a totally separate thing diversity equity inclusion doing that work no 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 what happened in that process is the adult Anita, the 20 something Anita, was able to do something for the 13 year old Anita, who believed at some level that all white people, I'm gonna go ahead and do it as extreme, all white people who have that kind of parenting would probably grow up and do the same kind of damage, murder, if not literally figuratively to other people. And mm. I realized I was doing exactly what I didn't want. I was taking away the humanity of a whole group of people, just, just on one factor of who they are, because your skin's not who you are. That's just one outer version of, you know, a representation. I'm not demeaning it or anything else, but it's just, it's not the whole. And, and then when I realized, oh my gosh, this man who had a son who was about my age, who spent his life in prison, that that summer day, I and my five brothers and sisters lost our father. However, that young white boy lost his father too. And he mm. grew up knowing his father was a murderer. And in that moment, I remember that back in the 80s, I remember in those rooms, all of a sudden going, oh my God, please forgive me. Forgive the man who murdered my father. Forgive my abuse. It just, it was a whole string and it wasn't light. And it doesn't mean you don't go back and work deeper and deeper and deeper levels, but it really was a big release in that, please do not allow me to become what it is that I don't want to create in the world. I don't want to be a part of taking away other beings, humanity or other relatives right to exist, whether it's a river or, you know, all the different, an, an animal, that they should be treated with dignity and respect as well. So these, that gift, the power to forgive the unforgivable, it is no small thing, but I would suggest to people that if you're not, if you have difficulty in forgiving, start with little things. Start with the smaller things. Don't start with the, oh, forgiving all the damage that we've done to the earth. And I think that that's how some people get burnt out because they have false understanding of what forgiveness really is. And they mm. go for the biggest thing, like build the muscle and then you can go for the big things. And some of the younger people coming in are actually going for the big things. And the people I've seen in business, some of them are going for the big things right away. And it's like, great, if you're able to do that, let's go. Because we all need to know that we're diverse. So we are starting at different places. But for those who haven't, I might have when they received that gift and said, mm, I don't know if I could forgive that one. Just know yeah. that the fact that it even came up is already your wise one saying, yes, you can. You can choose it. Mm, thank you. Yes. And, and I also see if you go in from the, 
the thing that you're working to forgive versus like just zooming out, like zooming out. And, and I see really rapid. And this is the, when I'm in that place of how do I forgive? It, I, it's harder when you're in it and wanting to forgive the thing it's zoom out and see the bigger picture. I mean, when I, um, I really appreciate you sharing your story and, I, I see a lot of, there's just a, there's so much generational trauma that's very real, you know, and, and it's not like about reconciling it. It's, it's like, well, saying how much are we creating that same frequency when we're turning it onto the other and saying, okay, no white men in the room, everyone relinquish your spot. I mean, is that really the answer? And I not feel like that, right. So speak to that. Cause that must come up. Yeah, No, not at all. That's like, and I think that's part of, of, of everyone do, taking their journey of understanding what forgiveness is. So what I understand, what I get from working with people is they have a false sense of forgiveness. They think forgiveness means that you're weak. They think forgiveness means that, oh, what happened is not big a deal. And so we just, you know, let it go. And, or they think forgiveness means you forget, or that forgiveness means that you don't seek justice, that you don't create new systems and structures to make sure it doesn't happen to not only you, but to other beings that you can use your energy. What forgiveness means is that you love yourself enough that you're part of what you forgive. And sometimes yeah. that's more than the other person is forgive yourself for your participation in anything, everything as I had to do with, with taking away a whole group of people's humanity that even, you know, somewhere yeah. in there, that was really crazy making. And so, and also to understand that it's a pathway to your freedom, because if I'm not using, we are energy and we only have so much energy, it's pretty expansive. But if I'm using, holding on to part of my energy for resentment, retaliation, all that back here, then I can't use my energy for here to create what I want which is these collaborative relationships, creating systems and structures that really look and honor all beings, mm -hmm. including what color their skin is, whatever it is, gender, whatever the, the thing is. And so it's very important to do that. And then the last piece I wanna say about that is an elder, um, right before COVID, I was in a ceremony and he came to me and he said, oh, you're, the, you're one of the, the forgiveness lady and i said well you're kind of known for your forgiveness too and he goes yes it's very important but i'd like you to add one more thing to that so it is the pathway to your freedom it is the pathway to unconditional love as i write about hmm. but it also is the passcode to your own divinity and i said you're right that'll be in the next book <laughs> the passcode to your own divinity and it is and when we open that up and we draw on all of who we are and that's what we need now, again, whether it's in your own life or you're leading a large organization, you're like, how do I draw on all that is here? That is the passcode to your own divinity. So forgiveness is a very, very powerful gift that we all have access to. And I'd like that kind of freedom, that kind of unconditional love, and that kind of access to one's own divinity to just expand in the world. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. I wasn't sure if you said pass code or past code. Oh, pass code. P-A-S-S. That's my Midwest draw from Missouri where I grew yeah. up. But it's pass code. Yeah. And, code to be able yeah. to access the fullness of your own divinity. So as long as you're stuck in forgiveness, uh, that not being able to forgive the unforgivable, then you truly can't access peace. You truly yeah. can't access so many of the wonderful things. You might get little glimpses. And that's why some people are like, oh, oh, can I hold on to it? And that's suffering too. Cause it's like, no, if you know mm -hmm. that, hey, it's gonna keep it's coming, keep expanding, <laughs> then you don't need to hang on like this. And that's mm -hmm. some learning and some processes that people can use and have available to them. I love that. And it's also a past code because yeah, it it past right? code it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I wanna go all the way back and, and just kind of, there was what, when you were talking about our, I think that it's, if you totally fully embody that notion of forgiving somebody else is also about giving, forgiving yourself. And that's that right relationship mm -hmm. piece. Let's go into that because it, these are, again, like, I want to be mindful of we're throwing it for, for some people on this path and for, you know, who've been doing this deep, deep work, it's, yeah, it's clicking. And for other people, it's really in that information or knowledge stage and to, sort of integrated as the wisdom, I see like some people struggle sometimes with that piece of, of self-forgiveness is the key to forgiving others. And how does that look? 
Like I'd love to talk about really how this looks in like corporate America, for example, or in mainstream world where the information is there, but the templates are there yet that there's still the separation. It's so all connect all these four. So oh, yeah. there's still oh, that separation. Yeah. Well, I see that. And wait, one more thing I want to add is, and uh-huh. in that there's a frequency that of guilt and shame. Yes. So let's unravel that. <laughs> yeah. So at a personal level, then I'll take it to the business corporate. So I could have gone into deep guilt and shame of, oh my gosh, Anita, here you're doing this work. And yet a piece of you is holding on to this belief that was totally counter to us coming together, to be able to dance together, to create together, to invent together. Oh my gosh. You know, and, and I had to just be with that and invite that same love and compassion that I give to others to give to myself. And that gets into looking at your worthiness and everything else. So now let's, and I was able to do that. And part of that was from the indigenous wisdom of understanding that I am a human being and that it does matter what we think and feel and do and say, and that you can, you can't take it back, but you can create new thoughts, words, actions. And that's part of the teaching I do inside and working with executives or leaders at all different levels in an organization is that oftentimes some some people can be holding on things dozens of years like oh that corporation they used to be so good here and now they they took away our friday party and i'm like well when was the last time in 1993 oh my gosh the energy on that or an executive who's had gone through three or four rounds of layoffs who's not in that organization and others and the heaviness that carries so it's unworking that to forgive yourself, but it also usually is attached to something much earlier. So I have an executive who always had difficulty trusting. It's a great man, business doing really well, but could have done a lot better, but always questioning the delegation. Well, it all went back to him as a young boy as we did the work together, where he, his father gave him at age four a fishing rod, and he went out to fish, and like a little boy could do, he let go of the rod and his father was furious. The money, the waste that happened. You can't trust anybody, blah, blah, blah. That was buried so deep in him. He was amazed when it came out that he goes, oh my gosh, we discovered. I said, no, you discovered that. I had no idea. I couldn't make up such a story, but mm-hmm. we can have access to that by inviting you know, your ancestors inviting you to open your heart in such a way that you can access that. And lo and behold, he was able to delegate more people and his team were like, what happened to him? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it doesn't require you have to go flash and expose everything. But nonetheless, he was able to break through that no longer had a hold. And he could have compassion for his dad and yelling and understanding money was tight, but also realizing that was then. This is now. And that's a huge thing when we can say, this is now, and what do I want to do now? And I believe most people, if not all people, with using these gifts, they want to be a life-giving force. They want people to flourish. They want the businesses that serve not only the people there, but the families and the many other businesses that serve. We all want that. And so this ability to forgive yourself, it's like, how can I give somebody something that I don't have? And people with that shame and guilt go run around acting as if they're doing that, they're giving that gift, but all the time telling themselves like, it's not real if they only knew, if they mm-hmm. only knew, that's not really who I am. And so I like yeah. putting the visual, my, my, um, my grandmother who I learned a lot from, she always a tea drinker and she'd make her own tea canela and different vanilla and different teas. But anyway, she would do these old fashioned teacups and it, she would pour the tea always more and I, at first I thought, you're not a funny grandma. You know, the, the tea just went over into the teacup and off the teacup into the little, you know, holder. And she goes, that is so that you can always give to someone else. Mm. If they run short, take your little plate there and pour it into their teacup and you still have what you need. It's oh, not about being selfish. It's about knowing that you always have more than you need, but making sure you have that because you have to care for yourself. So you have to forgive. I don't usually say have to, but I would just say the invitation and the joy 
of that is so big. And let me just say, from somebody who's dealt with nine years of childhood abuse, and also with the murder of my father, which we're dealing with that kind of stuff that's happening now across race, mm-hmm. is is so freeing that allows me to go and do the work in places that most people go, I don't understand. That seems radical. And I said, I think it may seem radical, but it seems crazy is to hold on to something that you can do nothing about, Mm -hmm. except that it just keeps poisoning you and not Mm -hmm. allowing you to flourish. We need you. We need every one of us, right? Yeah. Uh, What's coming up for me as I'm hearing you right now is my mother's father was shot and killed when she was young. And I'm excited to share this, this Mm -hmm. conversation with her and how she, I, I don't, you know, in my heart, I know there's room for forgiveness there and healing a lot of healing. And so how also these generational energies pass on. Right. And so often it's, yeah, we, we look at our own healing and our own pieces. And then there's also, you know, if you're really open and self-responsible, then wow, where in my lineage, where in my family is that healing not done and how can I do it and hold it for them with them and trust that that's, that works and trust that that, you know, right. So it's there. So when you say that about your mom, it makes me very happy because that's what I'm hoping for everybody. They can apply it in their own life and look where, where they can reach out with love to others, but also to themselves. And let me say, it's really at work. So a couple of years ago, this connects to what you're talking about. A couple of years ago, I finally did a DNA, um, one of those DNA 23 or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, in that, a good friend of mine is a cultural anthropologist. She said, let me take that because there's all these numbers behind it. And I'm going to give you them really clear. She comes back with a 50 PowerPoint slide set about who I am. <laughs> and she goes, you are, you know, 49 point some percent indigenous. I said, well, that doesn't surprise me. She goes, but you don't understand. It's not what you thought. I mean, I, you have this grandmother and it looks like from the DNA, she's either Aztecan or Mayan. It's hard. We can't prove it, but it, that makes sense in your stories and ceremonies. However, that's only 24%. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, no, your DNA, you're also for some tribe. I can't say who it is from the Southwest. What is the Southwest? Yes, that's what is a marker. But she said, now this one, you need to sit down. (laughs) (laughs) You have close to 17% of your DNA shows you are from the Amazon. And Mm. so now I'm going to smile because since 2006 or seven, I have been going to the Amazon I, uh, my volunteer time is a Pachamama Alliance, and I'm very big on protecting the primary rainforest and the, particularly the Amazon for provides us 20% of our oxygen on and on. However, I keep going back and I lead groups once a year to go there. So there's the positives, not only the healing, but it's mm-hmm. also the remembering of the strength. And I can't imagine my life from going since 2007 to the Amazon with learning from people, understanding that, feeling at home in a way that a lot of people say, well, yeah, it is, but you act like it's, and then lo and behold, it's part of my ancestry. So when we think, oh, just forget about that, it's, we are, again, understanding our power, that we have all of this help ancestral, but we also have the ability to heal stuff. And I feel like part of this call from Amazonia and from the people that I'm part of was to give me another way to add to my strength, to understand Mm. of what I have to bring at a time where it's really important to know about this, you know, to understand Mm. our connection to the trees and everything else. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. This is a perfect, perfect moment for me to share this because I was one wanting to have this in, in this conversation with you. I was like, how am I going to bring this? How is this going to come in? And so here we are. I I'm of Jewish descent. So Eastern European, and I have never done the ancestry t- testing. I'd be really curious, but I believe well, who knows, right? We, people are surprised. So both my parents, grandparents, all from Eastern Europe, Poland and Russia and whatever other countries were, they were named at that time. However, since I was early, early, like in my seven years old, I kind of diverted and was talking to trees and talking to stones and had a whole other reality, like many, many kids. Right. Mm So I grew up and that was like my normal. And when I left New York and went to California, when I was out of college, I began this exploration of, 
like, oh my gosh, why are the ancient trees talking to me? And I was having this whole remembrance. And that's when I started being invited into really sacred spaces with the local Yurok tribe and different tribes where we were praying for the forest. We weren't going there for our transformation personally, right? And so this was kind of my journey in and then traveled the world and also to the Amazon in the early 2000s. And Here's the question. Here's the piece I want to bring in as somebody who does not have the the Native American or the indigenous potentially, potentially right blood necessarily or DNA. And let's just imagine maybe that's why I didn't take that test, because maybe I do, but maybe I don't. Yet I know I am indigenous to this planet and I know that the trees speak to me and that I know that it is, um, you know, I I work with sage and I can hold Palo Santo and, and all of the sacred thing, you know, the stones and, and have my journey. And what's really been a very, very, very deep journey for me is standing in that place in my own way of leadership. And it's, this has been one of my challenges and opportunities is standing in that place with my own leadership. And for, for almost 30 years, the knowledge and information that I've received and wisdom I've been in spaces with, while also letting go of projections, and this was whether I chose to receive them or having to do my own inner work around the projections of appropriation or you're not indigenous, right? And so let's talk about that. Let's because talk about it. Yeah. I, think, I think it's one. So I, first of all, you're correct. Anthropologically, we're all of the earth and of the yeah. stardust. We know that. Yeah. You know, it's just, we, we are. So that remembering our connection to nature, to be part of nature rather than just living in nature, we are part of nature. So I delight in that kind of wisdom. That's what we need to happen to shift what's going on. Then Everyone. we would destroying everything, right? And at the same time, the language is so powerful. So indigenous has become a word uh, to describe 6% of the population around the world, many who have had genocide, and not to say Jewish hasn't also, right? So that's not just two, but pretty uh, uh, around the board, indigenous people. And so I always say, and it's, it's actually in my book, that we all are indigenous. And know that at this time, indigenous is used for particular people who have kept the lineage of the original instruction of their connection. It's not something that it's actually mm -hmm. passed down. And so mm. that doesn't require either group to, to not move forward on the wisdom. Oh my gosh, what yeah. are we talking about? That's what we're trying in this hoop of life for us to come back to remembering our oneness, diversity in our oneness. So what I wanna to say to you is, and to everyone, Sometimes people speak out of their pain and mm -hmm. if you're coming out of the heart centered wisdom. Then you just listen with compassion, but you continue with your wisdom. It's yeah. very, very important. And in indigenous, in terms of most indigenous people talk about the hoop of life and all this, nobody's higher, nobody's lower. That's not only two legged human beings, but other things of nature in that. Yes. So no, you move forward. That yeah. has meaning for you and for, for all of us. So I delight, and that's what happens when I work in business is that people get not only the, the understanding from themselves and from the other people mm -hmm. they're working with, but I often like, all right, time for a break, go outside, find a tree, sit, stand by the tree, or mm -hmm. take your shoes off. I know it's New York, go find somewhere, take your shoes off and, and the grass and just see what happens. Um, and after they get through the awkwardness of what am I doing in my amazing suit, <laughs> shoes off, they realize, yeah. oh my gosh, there was a grounding that happened. Yeah. There was a, a lightening up about how serious everything is and that I am a part of something that's really long and lasting. Absolutely. Mm. So the whole thing about appropriation, I think where it gets, um, where I hear the pain of folks is that it's about access because of the mm -hmm. the systems and structures that have been set up that deny people's humanity also allowed uh, this frequency they're able to create things so people go yep. in or pharmaceutical company has gone in and the patents what they got don't belong yeah. to just people who showed them how to do it instead yeah. 
the, those very rich people get very rich and there's nothing back to the others. And so that's what then gets people sort of fired up. But I yeah. say that's because of changing the systems and structures and invite that person. Because if a person has actually reconnected the earth and all the sacred things you're talking about, then that's a collaborator. And if we I would can't also, see that, yeah. if instead we don't see that, the last thing I want to say, and then I'll turn yeah. back to you, is about being Jewish. For some of us, we see people are Jewish as also a tribe. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I create circles, I have white people to the north, but I ask for the Jewish people to be right there on the edge of the north and the red direction because they sit near us as as a tribe. Now, some people say, well, then you're separating out. No, we're still one hoop of life. No one's higher. No one's it's just an acknowledgement that that connection is there. So you'll go ahead and go further because I do want people to to yes. not ever throw away the wisdom and connection and love of the earth and who they are as part of the earth. Yes. It, and I'm listening to every word you're saying, and really it's about honoring, right? It's, it's not like, like what appropriation comes when there's not an honoring and an yeah. acknowledgement. And that's the deepest piece, right? It's like, it's how do you hold who we all are and also honor the truth and reality of, of, so I, I really appreciated how you, how you just sort of presence the the word indigenous and how it is not to be just thrown around, right? There's, there's energy and there's, there's just, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot for yeah. us all to honor. And so, yeah. And I really appreciated also the, the piece about the Jewish tribe. And one of the things is that the invitation, I think the invitation for Jewish people in general is to Really, I had this recent conversation with my parents. I was, I was like, why don't we consider ourselves Polish? Like, we don't say I'm Polish, you know. I don't, I, and then I think part of my seeking and and affinity with Indigenous elders and communities was like place. You have a place. I grew up in New York. We're Jewish. We're from New York. We, but but my grandparents came from Poland and Russia. Where, why don't we say we're Polish and Russian? We're not Polish and Russian, we're Jewish. Yeah, but Jewish isn't a place. You know, so we did have a lot of loss in the Holocaust. And, yeah. and it's just very interesting. Okay, so that's been my decades of healing that, that piece of my assignment in a lineage. And yeah. there's such an opportunity for all of us to embrace our place. And, you know, and with, the, with the, these gifts that you've shared, that's actually a portal to really it just happen in. Yeah. And hopefully in this conversation, people understand that what we're getting at, which is I really love, is the whole intersectionality of all of it. It's like what you're saying, well, your family saying, well, we're Jewish, but wait a minute, but we're also Polish, but we're also, we're also masculine. We're also feminine. We're also yeah. able-bodied. We're also, I mean, there's so many, oh, you're degreed. You're not degreed. There's so many different parts of who we are that to hone in and say it's all one, one thing is losing sight. However, we're also at a time as we're seeing, and it's not to deny, again, I, won't, I have my energy to be present, to see again, more dark-skinned people, black men in particular, mm-hmm. being murdered. Yeah. And I mean, it's, un, that's the needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Okay? And be present and so change this. But the reality is being able to honor all of what we are, that's, that's just so vibrant and allows us to give in our fullest rather than what somebody's bias about one thing or another is. And so it's just very, very key that that we look at that. And please hear also why I, I share this is because, again, you will have the choice. But I also don't want people of goodwill going out and say, oh, I'm indigenous and then say, wow, I got really negative feedback on that one (laughs) so instead i suggest say something and words do matter is say you know i'm reconnecting to the earth and to the trees and to the water well if somebody's going to give you negative feedback for that then you just say you know thank you very much and you don't have them in the front room of your life you send them love from outside the building because you know we we need this we need this reconnection Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's more of like, I'm not, I am the, I am, I am who I am. We just are, right? I am. That's the ultimate. However, it's like, I, I can connect to indigenous wisdom. I can connect to, right. There's wisdom and teaching for us all. And, or I resonate with that 
what it is to, what does that mean? You know, and then that helps me have compassion and understanding for people who really, you know, who've been in that place of generational drama and holding the lineage for us today. Really it is. It's like, we get like, if my parents didn't remember, you know, it's like, so how did I come to the wisdom? Like I found some myself and and I learned from those elders who held it from different indigenous communities, you know? Right. So with that, you know, I, I really want to <laughs> time. What an interesting construct. I'm looking at time, but um, I really want to ask about, you know, what, what do you see as the solution? You know, the, the murders, the horrificness of war and what is happening, the, constru- the destruction that continues, right? How, how do you see that changing? What do you see as, as the way, the way that this is the the destruction and the horrific way humans treat each other? What do you see the way that that that's going to change? Well, let me say part of it is, uh, it is opening your heart. Mm. And so the fact that people are filled with different kinds of emotions, anger, just sobbing from the pain of that. I mean, how can a mother not see that happening and have a, a man screaming for his mom and not feel the pain of it. I don't care if they're white, brown, whatever it is, you know, to, to allow that not to get, but then from that emotion, like a river, the emotions need to move to, and then to what is it I want to create? So that part of the solution is that we speak out out of love. Where it comes from is important, out of love and care, respect, dignity, that, wait a minute, we've got to change processes, policies, whatever the procedure, the training, whatever, to not allow this to continue. And so we have to speak out on that. It doesn't mean that we become absent of what's going on in government. And I'm not saying government's the whole answer. But we also have to look at what's going on all the institutions we created, business and everything. What is our role in creating a, a nation, a business, a world, that allows and embraces all of our gifts to be Mm -hmm. of service to all. And it's that whole chain uh, of who are all the benefactors. And that has been so imbalanced about this being, and now we start seeing the purpose, for example, with business is to benefit all the stakeholders, not just the shareholders. That means we have to care about what we're doing to the water. We have to care about all the way along all of the people, because this is our world, not Mm. segmented out. So I think part of it is being open to be present, what's going to be aware of what's going on in your body. Body doesn't lie, the emotions happening. And then if you need to help, go get help to help move through that. Sometimes though, I find a lot just sitting in nature allows me to move through when I get beside myself. So this thing with Tyree that being murdered and then back with George Floyd, in particular George Floyd, I found myself outside just sobbing. And I thought, and then I just allowed, just allow the motion. What's, where's that coming? You've done a lot of decades of healing. And then it came up and it came up and it was the 13 year old learning that my father was murdered. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh gosh. And, but then I, I forgotten something. As that 13 year old, I was sobbing that just the unthinkable that somebody would murder and her lives changed at that point was, we know there was a voice and it said, Anita, this will change in your lifetime. And I remember stopped crying and it's tired that this will change. So it's not going to be like, this is too big. I'm not, I don't have a voice. I'm not powerful enough. Everyone can be part of changing it so that every white child, white skins, brown skin, black skin, whatever child can go out and be safe, both as a child and as adult, because it's it's crazy making. So part of it is not running away from it, but really being aware and then moving through and getting all the help and support that you need to do that, whether it's through people's religious groups or a therapist or nature or someone else who's available to help uh, in any way that, again, we don't have to do it all alone. These, yeah. these things are big and, and it's collectively, it's that gift of unity that's going to have that happen. It's not the lone wolf. <laughs> it mm. never was the lone wolf. It's we all need each other and are part of each other, just like we're all part of the earth. As I was listening to you, I, you, you were answering 
a question. Um, I think everything you just said really answered the question of how do you hold judgment? Like when you find yourself in judgment, everything you just said speaks to that, right? Because because mm-hmm. so much of it, it and it is, <laughs> it's like what what needs to shift in me? Where does this live in me? And I find that judgment is it's the resistance to opening our hearts and like going within, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, what would you say if if there anything else about judgment? And- well, I think. I think, again, it's because judgment, there's a lot of motion with judgment. So it's looking on that. And there is, when you're pointing at somebody, I always, the three fingers that are pointing about yourself. So where does this live in me? Yeah. Where can I make space and heal that part of me? But it also, and it also doesn't mean there isn't accountability. Right. So someone's done that there has to be accountability. So I'm very sad that that man who murdered my father spent a lifetime in prison. That's horrible. I just, it's horrible. And at the same time, that needed to happen it was he's not to do that to anyone again you know and i feel for the son and hope he had a good life um i know he's deceased because i tried to find him but that he had a good life because i i want that for him so when you do all that work then the judgment may flare up we're human beings judgment but you look at it rather than striking that's just the whole thing we we're reactive rather than responsive so if we can just take that pause and the larger society is all about do, 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 do. So it's action, action, action. And, and what that action will be life-giving, powerful in the direction of what we want to create, more likely if we pause and then move in. I'm not saying don't take, but I'm saying pause and reflect so that the response is one that's in alignment with what you want to create rather than more of the same of separation and hurt and pain. Yeah. So thank you for that. And and then lastly, because we're going to wrap up here, I am wondering if, you know, you've been at this transformational in the work of transformational, you know, organizational transformation and individual transformation for many decades. And so what, like where we're at right now, it's significantly different than 10 years ago, right? There's it's, so different. it's so different. And this is the part where I really appreciate indigenous elders and what's been passed through because we're the first scientists all over. So a lot of things that they said of, was of how we are as human beings and our relationship yeah. are so key. But now science is saying the same thing and science finally and business also going, uh, maybe we need it's no coincidence that, you know, 82% of the world's most biodiverse of the Earth's most biodiverse places are places that indigenous people are on. Maybe we should learn about that. Now that we're looking at, well, we're creating businesses. Can we make generative businesses? Do have, businesses all have to be excavators? Do they have to be, you know, um, you know, not, not serving the whole stakeholder chain? So all of those kinds of questions, I think, are really, really important. So we're in a different place. And just a quick little anecdotal thing. Um, decades ago in a high-tech company, a global one, I would, they'd have a once a month Ask Dr. Sanchez and we take topics. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and stuff. And I would always start with a couple of things I'd say that all human beings, and then a one minute silence. And I got rave reviews. Oh, I just go and I just, you know, in the middle of work, this just helps me. And and then I got a little bit, mm, and about nine months in, I did a two minute. <laughs> the early 2000. Yeah. And the feedback came back at, well, that was a little too long. You know, it didn't feel like the spa anymore. It's like, that's okay. Don't be in judgment. They're like, go back to the one minute. One minute, multiple times a day is a very, very good thing. There isn't mm-hmm. one way. There is always another way. And as long as the way is one that is a benefit to you, to other beings and future generations, if you can say yes, then go for it. And if you at all are doubtful, then pause. Because maybe some of those unintended consequences we could stop from happening by just giving that little more reflection. Beautiful. I love that. (laughs) I was going to ask you if there was one other piece of wisdom, if you had a magic wand and with what you say from your heart right now or from wherever was to have some massive, like just transmission, (laughs) what would it be? It would be. Two things real quick. Dream. Please dream. Dream, daydream, night dream. Allow. If you haven't been dreaming, ask for that help to dream at night. Your answer is just dream. 
beyond what the immediate that, that possibility that thing that will pull us because that's what happens we get pulled by a dream you know pain pushes vision pulls that's mm-hmm. what's of that dream that's really really critical to do that and the other big dream i have is that one day we'll all wake up and overwhelmingly the two legged human beings regardless of where you are on the earth and what you do realize I do nothing alone and have mm-hmm. a smile and gratitude about that. I do nothing alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we are intimately interconnected. And that is being part of the abundance of this beautiful, beautiful world. And we want that. I want that for us. And I want it for all the future generations, for our children and other species children as well. Let that sink in. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, let that sink in. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anita, this was a really beautiful healing conversation of unity and hope and beautiful forgiveness. So may these codes and this energy just land in the hearts of millions. Thank you. So it is. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Catalyst Talks. Stay tuned for what's up next and please subscribe to our podcast and rate us wherever you listen. You'll find these all at catalysttalks.com. Join the conversation on social media. And if you'd like to reach out, please send me, Stephanie, a private message through stephanietraker.com. Your attention means the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you.